to turn to Acts chapter 2. We will read together verses 1 through 13 in today's passage. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Hear God's word. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us has heard them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language, in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. And the people said, Amen. <clears throat> Dr. Fred Craddock is, well, before he passed away, was one of the most influential preachers of our era. He told of a time that he was on the West Coast giving a talk to a seminary. He said, just before the first lecture, a student stood up and said, before you speak, Dr. Craddock, I need to know if you are Pentecostal. The room grew silent. Craddock said, I don't know where the dean was. The student quizzed me in front of everybody. Taken aback, Craddock responded, do you mean if I belong to the Pentecostal church? And the student said, no, I need to know if you're Pentecostal. Craddock said, are you asking if I'm charismatic? I'm asking you if you're Pentecostal. Craddock said, do you want to know if I speak in tongues? The student said, I want to know if you're Pentecostal. Craddock said, I don't know what your question is. And the young man said, obviously, you're not Pentecostal. And he left. Reflecting on that, Dr. Fraddick commented later, what are we talking about? In spite of the fact that the church doesn't know what the adjective means, the church insists that the word remain in our vocabulary as an adjective. The church is unwilling for the word 
simply to be a noun, to represent a date, a place, or an event in history of the church. The church refuses for it to simply be a memory, an item, something back there somewhere. The church insists the word is an adjective. It describes our church. The word then is Pentecostal. To be candid with you, I've always thought of Pentecostal as a denomination. And I've always thought of Pentecost as the historical event in the life of the church that Miss Amanda spoke of earlier, which we understand as the birth of the church, the birthday of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus promised his followers that they would receive power and that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> Hebraic Jews and Jewish converts came from all over Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of Pentecost. <clears throat> the festival is also known as the Feast of Weeks. It had a historical significance celebrating the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And it had an agricultural significance celebrating the harvest. It was a holiday for all. And as one commentator states, never was there <clears throat> a more international crowd in Jerusalem than at the time of the Pentecost. The word, the allergies are really getting me this season, so please forgive me. How about if I could charge one of our students who are over there? Nicholas, would you mind getting Pastor Bob another cup of water? <coughs> Thank you. Let's go back that way. Thank you. <coughs> Sometimes it just hits you at the worst moment, you know. But Pentecost means 50th. And if you recall from our message last Sunday, it marked the 50th day after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the 10th day after the ascension into heaven that Jesus made to be with God. It was on this day that God chose to send the church on mission to the world. So it was a historical day. On this day, God filled the followers with supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and enabled them. Thank you very much, Nicholas. That's part of his mission today. Thank you. <clears throat> it's to be a helper to your pastor. Thank you. And God enabled the followers of Jesus to speak in languages that they did not know, to help people they did not know understand in a way that they could know. This was simply proof that the Holy Spirit had come to carry out the work that Jesus had begun in them. And the people who saw and heard this were utterly amazed. They were more literally speaking, they were beside themselves or they were at a loss for words. Yes, it was a historical day for the Christian faith, but Craddock's story has illuminated my understanding of this particular element of our faith. It is so much more than an event. So I want to share two thoughts and then make some brief application before we break bread together. Two thoughts on Pentecost. Number one, as you can already figure out, Pentecost is more than a noun. Pentecost is more than a noun. We are Pentecostal. It's an adjective to describe the church. 
as you read that first part of chapter 2 in Acts, you see that the believers were filled with the Spirit and they were led by the Spirit on a mission. We too are Spirit-filled and we are Spirit-led. We are Pentecostal. That's simply what it means. Spirit-led, Spirit-filled, and Spirit-led. And then, number two, the church is the mission of God. So not only is the church Pentecostal, Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, but the church is missional. We are sent with a purpose. The word mission means to sent, to be sent. Missional implies the sending of God. The church is the mission of God sent into the world, an extension of God's worshiping people. Scholars define this as the missio dei. When we take a closer look at the Pentecost, we see the mission of God and God's church. We see three-person missional miracles, at least 3,000 of them on that day. After people accused the Christ followers of having drunk too much wine, Peter stood up and he offered clarity in a powerful sermon. He told the crowd of the backstory of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus, and the action they needed to take to join this movement of Jesus. In chapter 1, I'm sorry, in chapter 2, verses 37 through 41, we hear these parts of Peter's sermon. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were moved and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. For all who... For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And then verse 31, those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to the number that day. 3,000 three-person missional miracles that day. They became Christ followers and the movement would grow. And as you read the book of Acts, you see thousands of more people coming to be saved and baptized to join the movement of Jesus Christ. They would live out the great commandment to be the witnesses of Christ in, all, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The church, we believe, was missional from the very beginning. Both Pentecostal and missional. If we are missional, and I believe we are, then so must our worship be. Missional worship always involves the same three participants that we read about in this story on Pentecost. The church, the world, and the Holy Spirit. The three participants then need to be engaged now. The church, the, the world, and the Holy Spirit. When we say we are missional, we must be sure that our worship includes all three. Let's take a brief look at what happens if just one is left out. If we have worship without the church, it's simply attractional programs. We can have a few staff and uh, 
uh, some people who can think of some really great programs to reach, to reach the community. But if we don't have the church involved, it's just attractional programs. It's just a small group of people trying to get people out in the world to come. Nobody's out there inviting them. We're just maybe advertising or putting some things out on the side of the road, hoping people will come. If the church is not engaged, it's just attractional programs, and we hope that people will come. Worship without the world, in my belief, is a Christian club. So if we have wonderful worship and the Holy Spirit is leading, but we are not considering those who are out in the world, it's just our club, and we're just gathering to enjoy ourselves, to be together and to do things that we enjoy together with people we like and are similar to. Worship without the Spirit, it can, it can involve the church and the world, but if the Spirit is not involved, it's just a production. If your staff and some other lay leaders and our choir and our praise team were to gather together and make some wonderful plans but leave out the Holy Spirit, we might have a wonderful production it might flow really well. We might be able to do some really neat things to wow people. But if the Holy Spirit is not involved, it's just a production. People can go anywhere to see a production. But people come here to meet God. So as did it did at Pentecost, today missional worship must involve the entire church. The world outside of us as we engage with them and the entire congregation. To be successful, to reach people to the ends of the earth, all three of those must continually be involved. So our application today, very briefly, as a missional people, we believe worship sustains us. Perhaps, perhaps the local church is a refilling station. A refilling station. Back in the day, gas stations used to be called filling stations, didn't they? Maybe the local church is the refilling station. Think about a dead balloon. I've got a flat balloon right up here. And it continues to be flat no matter where you put it. But take a dead balloon and do what Jesus did in the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost... And it's filled. And then at Pentecost, you know, the people had a command to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They would go wherever the Spirit sent them, but then it would be flat again. So they come back for worship to be filled. And sent again. And to be filled. And sent again. Perhaps the local church is a filling station. For the sake of our metaphor, and I'm out of breath, I'm just going to leave it just like that for today. So we see it as the image of being filled right? But we will never run out of the Spirit's power. College, soon-to-be college students, and as you graduate from high school, this is your local church family. 
This is where you have learned about Jesus and where you have been filled. When you met Christ, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Nobody can take that away from you. That is a gift that is yours for all eternity. But as you go from this place into whatever that next chapter is, if it's college or maybe it's serving in the service at some point or going to work, whatever that might be, remember that you need a constant refilling by the Holy Spirit. Not to get saved again. Don't confuse that. Okay? But a people who can nurture you and come alongside of you and help you and a place where when it's going well or whether it's going poorly, that you can come and be filled. I pray that as you go off to school, that you will find a local church or a Christian organization that can help do that for you. And when you come back on holiday and at other times during the year, we will be here for you. And while you are away, we will be praying for you all the way. That is our challenge, church. And that is all of our challenge, that we, as people of Christ, know that we must not only be Pentecostal, spirit-filled, spirit-led, and that we are missional, but that every week we need a refilling. Another way that we can be refilled is at the table of the Lord, because he said that that I'm the bread of life. And so today as we gather as God's people around the table, we remember the way in which Jesus gathered with his disciples on the night before he was crucified. And he took bread and he gave thanks and blessed it and broke it and said, this is my body given for you as often as you meet. Take, eat, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the wine and he blessed it and poured it out, gave thanks, and poured it out, saying, This is my blood which is shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. As often as you meet together, drink, drink deeply, this do in remembrance of me. For as often as you take and eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man. I'm glad today that you and I are here in the worship center, in the sanctuary, to be refilled. Let's pray.